Welcome to Terrible, a Canadian true crime podcast. I'm Marie. And I'm Renee. We're two friends that discuss true crime stories in hopes to prepare ourselves for life's most terrible things. Quick disclaimer, the following podcast will include graphic and explicit content. Our goal is to respect victims and their families. We do not want to sensationalize crimes or glorify criminals. We are not experts. We want to tell these stories in order to learn from them and make sure victims and their families are not forgotten. Just before we get started, we want to mention that we have a merch store. So if you guys want to check it out and support the show, you can go on Etsy and look us up at Terrible True Crime. We also do have a Patreon if you want some extra bonus episodes. And the last thing is that it really helps when you rate the show and leave a review or comment wherever you listen. All right, let's get into some personal updates. So we just came back from a weekend of a glamping. So the comfort camping with the nice fancy tents. And it's amazing. It was really nice. Um, yeah, so we really enjoyed it. And now it's the end of summer. So, so like it went by so quickly. Like September to me is always, it's fall. You know, even yeah. if it's still hot outside. No, it's not. Yeah, So, no. so yeah. it's like, it's always bittersweet with fall because we love fall weather. Mm-hmm. But summer's done and it always feels like it's so short. I am a killer. Season three is out. Oh, I watched it already. It covers um, several different cases, right? Yeah, yeah. Every episode is a new, like a new killer, <laughs> I yeah. guess. But it just makes me realize how gullible I am because, like, whatever's being told at me, I believe. So, like, they started out always with like the person that's in prison saying what happened, and I'm like, oh shit, like, oh, like that's tough for you. Like, I feel bad, and then it goes to like. Oh, the investigators and like the people implicated and I'm like oh shit like okay never mind I'm like damn but yeah that's what I've been up to I'm a killer season four is out interesting well love a true crime recommendation <laughs> there's supposed to be a new one coming out I sent you a TikTok mm, I just saw it yeah it's the same creators of the one that you just watched I killed my father was that what it was called oh my god yeah, something like that. I feel like we're coming in for a whole fall's worth of Damn. some really good true crime on Netflix. <laughs> okay, so this week we're going to be covering the Amanda Todd case. So I know that I said we'd probably do this at Patreon, but after researching the case in more details, I figured this would kind of be an important one to cover uh, for everyone to hear. And also, we really want to get into this week's crime updates because it's something that's currently going on. So the Saskatchewan RCMP have charged two people being sought by police and the injury toll has risen to 18 after 10 people were fatally stabbed Sunday. So Sunday as in September 4th in various locations in the province, including James Smith Cree Nation. So police from Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba are searching for Miles Sanderson, who is 30, and Damian Sanderson, who is 31, after the attacks prompted a dangerous person's alert. So the following is a message from Rhonda Blackmore, the commanding officer of the Saskatchewan RCMP. To the people of Saskatchewan and beyond, please be assured that we are using every human investigational and technological resource we have available to locate and arrest the persons responsible for this tragedy and to ensure your safety. So CBC News created this sort of timeline so that we can kind of go through the events of what happened. So uh, September 4th at 5.40 a.m., the RCMP received multiple calls from St. James Cree Nation about stabbings at different locations. At 7.12 a.m., the RCMP issued a dangerous persons alert to residents of St. James Cree Nation and nearby communities. They told them basically to seek immediate shelter. 
At 7.57 a.m., the police released names and photos of the suspects. Around 8.20 a.m., the RCMP extended dangerous persons alert to the province of Saskatchewan. By 9.45 a.m., the RCMP issued a fourth dangerous persons alert that says there are multiple victims in multiple locations, at least one at James Smith Cree Nation, another in Weldon. At 11.25 a.m., the RCMP sent requests to extend dangerous persons alert to Manitoba and Alberta. Around 12.07 p.m., the RCMP issued a fifth update saying the suspect's vehicle was seen in Regina on Arcola Avenue. Residents again were asked to seek shelter if they were around that area. Around 3.45 p.m., the RCMP announced that 10 people have been killed and 15 others were injured in the attack, which they say took place across 13 locations. Wow. Yes. So obviously this is going to be our only crime update this week. We really want people to be careful. We, you know, we know that everyone in Saskatchewan and around are getting these alerts and are being cautious, but we just really want to kind of magnify that message because it's really important to be careful. Um, Yeah. So we really don't have a ton of information why it seems just like a random killing spree for now. So I just want to give you guys a bit more information. We'll be posting pictures on our social media as well. So Damien Sanderson is described as five foot seven, 155 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. And Miles Sanderson is described as six foot one, 240 pounds and brown hair with brown eyes. The RCMP say that the men are armed and dangerous and shouldn't be approached. They were also believed to be driving a black Nissan Rogue with Saskatchewan license plate. 119 MPI, although they may have changed vehicles since then. According to the police, the vehicle was last reported seen in Regina around 11.20 a.m. on Sunday, although that isn't actually confirmed. The Canada Border Service Agency said that it's working with domestic and international law enforcement to ensure the border security intelligence and enforcement. So be careful, everyone. We're going to post the pictures. We hope that law enforcement are able to catch these two soon and kind of figure out what's going on before more people get hurt. Yeah, seriously. That's a, that's a big one, but I'm, it's crazy that I didn't even really know about it. I know I'm not in that area, but still yeah. like that's, I mean, I guess I don't watch the news really, either, but <laughs> anyways, yeah. here it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh yeah, definitely big news in this area. At least right now they're, you know, I think they're concerned about these two leaving Saskatchewan and going into Manitoba or Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as I'm aware of, everyone is on the lookout for them. So just just everyone be careful if you're going for a walk today or, you know, you're doing something on your own. Maybe bring a buddy instead of just doing it on your own today. And hopefully, you know, our hope is by the time this episode airs that this is old news and they've caught him and everyone can kind of go back to living their normal lives. Yeah. All right. Let's get into this week's case. Amanda Todd was born November 27th of 1996 to parents Carol and Norm. Amanda grew up in British Columbia, and from what I could tell, she had a pretty normal childhood. Her parents separated when she was young, and she is described as creative and shy. She loved to sing, and she was actually very talented. Our case really begins around the time when Amanda starts seventh grade. This is around 2009-2010. Amanda, like many of us, spent a lot of time online and she began recording herself singing and posting it on YouTube. This got her a lot of attention. This is around the time where Facebook, Tumblr, and MSN were very popular, as well as sort of the new thing that was video chatting. At first, her mom was not wanting her to get a webcam at all. This was back 
pretty much in the day where the webcam was like separate from your laptop unless oh, you yeah. had a super advanced fancy laptop that had a webcam built into it but you had to buy a separate webcam to stick on the top of your laptop that had to be plugged in by usb to your laptop yeah like we didn't have a we just had a computer like we didn't have a laptop or anything true and that was the same with my parents like don't even ask for a webcam because it yeah. was just like a gray area of like uh, people could hack it and see you but and to be fair amanda did have sort of a, a reason for wanting one she did you know want to post her singing videos mm-hmm. and was hoping i think that would get her some attention for you know her her nice voice and her talent but yeah same same here with me like if i would have asked my parents for a webcam they would have been like but why you see <laughs> you can see your friends whenever you want what is the point of that yeah. right and to be fair it was an unknown thing back then and for a teenager to need a webcam just like as a normal teenager who's not wanting to do these sorts of things online it's not really necessary mm-hmm. but it was sort of the cool thing yeah because you go on msn and like facetime pretty much yeah. with your friends but yes i remember many a sleepovers in chat rooms we probably <laughs> shouldn't have been in but yeah and that's the thing right this is when parents were like mm, i don't know about these webcams <laughs> you guys know what i mean so along with recording videos of herself singing and posting them on youtube amanda was often using her webcam to video chat she would even you know chat with random strangers which again could be considered pretty scary but her parents were looking at her laptop they had her passwords and like any teenager when her parents went to bed she would take her laptop back out and you know keep scrolling online so this is hard because i feel like even with the parental controls and all that stuff even knowing your kid's password i feel like there are things that can fly under the radar that Mm. you'll you'll never catch so this is yeah, yeah some things you have to search for it's not like you'll just like easily see it you know what i yeah. mean like, i don't know yeah yeah and i'm not naive like i think what i like when we have children if we do we're, like there are things that we're going to be so out of date <laughs> like i'm not going to know half the things that are considered like cool to look mm-hmm. for yeah that my parents probably wouldn't have known of either if i was in amanda's position so, yeah you know it's nice nice to have that in play that your parents you know are able to sort of monitor what you're doing but i feel like especially teens can get away with a lot. Two of her friends were interviewed on the Fifth Estate episode about Amanda, and they said that she would often use a chat room or a video chat room called Blog TV. She would use this to be able to chat with strangers, and she met many people this way and created lots of new friendships. One day during a live chat, one of these quote-unquote friends is commenting and trying to convince Amanda to flash the webcams, so expose herself in front of the webcam. We've discussed this before, but the challenges and the pressure one feels as a preteen slash teen being a girl is very intense, and there's so much emphasis on look and making sure that other people like you, whether that's just in kind of a school space or extending to online spaces, which, you know, for a lot of people around this time, that was the other side of their life. So you go to school all day and then you'd come home and you'd hop online, right? And Mm. that was, it was sort of the extension of your social life. So we can't really question why, but Amanda does it. The, again, quote unquote friend persuading her clearly doesn't have her best interests in mind because he takes a picture of his screen as Amanda is flashing the webcam. This would basically set off a series of terrible events for Amanda. The person proceeded to post the picture on a porn site and send out the link to people that were close to Amanda. 
They would also begin to blackmail her and threaten her. This is in seventh grade, right? That this is happening to her? Poor yeah. girl. He told her that he would circulate the photo among her friends if she did not do more, again, quote-unquote, shows for him. Oh my god. He even contacted her mom, pretending to be someone concerned about Amanda and informing her about the pictures of her daughter. So he basically, like, if makes he... a fake account and then messages yeah. the mom and he's like, you should, be... I don't know, I, I could have found the exact message, but basically you should see what your daughter's doing, you know, if there are predators out there that could oh God. be but it was him so i think this is basically just a way for him to have like this all exposed to amanda's mom which is oh, so awful for amanda yeah that's hateful we haven't even gotten into Ugh. like the beginning of this around christmas time in 2010 the police approach amanda and her family they let the family know that her topless photo is being circulated on the internet obviously this is considered child pornography amanda is like way underage so the police is somewhat involved this again would have a huge impact on amanda people at school would see the picture her parents knew about it and this caused her to become very depressed she was slut shamed called a cam whore and even a porn star and was- let's just put this back into a 2009-2010 mind frame, you know, nowadays with OnlyFans and, you know, all of these things. It's, I don't want to say it's more accepted, especially because she's so young, but like, it's more known about. People do, do this, this stuff to me. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, yeah it's, it's the fact that she's underage. And exactly. But it's also, I just still feel she's underage and she's in middle school slash high school. Everything is so yeah. magnified, like all the feelings like when mm-hmm. someone like calls you a name or everything means so much more yeah and like just being underage is obviously you're more vulnerable and this person is like a disgusting predator so obviously amanda was under constant stress at this point and her mom carol told the fifth estate that it was basically killing her inside i believe that it's around this time that she decides to change schools however in may of 2011 the blackmailer is back he again is threatening her and wanting her to do more shows for him and he says that if she doesn't do it he's going to send her picture to all of coquitlam which is the town where she lives carol even takes these messages from amanda and sends them straight to the rcmp for investigation purposes but she doesn't really hear much back from them a few months later he is still blackmailing her and in the fifth estate episode we get a little bit of kind of an insight into what these conversations look like so i'm gonna have marie read you guys what one of these messages looks like from this blackmailer sup cam whore been a while i didn't send the video last time because i liked how you whined but as you know i have your new school new schoolmates new flash your parents haven't seen you know the drill so three shows of 15 minutes and then i won't send amanda would try to ignore him but that only seemed to piss him off more you already forgot who i am The guy who last year made you change school got your door kicked in by the cops. You can give me three shows and I will disappear forever. You know I won't stop until you give me those three shows. If you go to a new school, new boyfriend, new friends, new whatever, I will be there again. I'm crazy. Yes. So your answer? At this point, it seems like Amanda wants to fight back. So she replies. Not gonna happen. Do you want to meet me? come meet me right now or are you too scared so i think it's it seems pretty obvious here that amanda's sort of fed up with all of this like Mm -hmm. this person is not letting her live her life like we are in 2011 it's been pretty much two years of her going through this she's changed schools he's not leaving her alone 
you know, I can assume that she's taken some precautions online as well, and he seems to continue to find her. Amanda again shows her mom the conversation, and her mom sends it to the RCMP. They are desperate for help. However, all the RCMP does is recommend that Amanda go offline completely. And they basically said that if she doesn't protect herself, there's not much they can do. What? But to tell a teenager whose life revolves around, well, not revolves around, but who's a huge part of their life is being online, that they have to cut that completely off and that's the only way see that's what i don't like like sh- like why are you taking that away from her yeah when she, she understands no she yeah. understands her co- the consequences of what happened okay next go get that guy who's like yeah. harassing her non-stop that's his problem not hers yeah like i think that we've come a bit of a longer way with like the cyber stuff in investigations yeah definitely even since just 2011 but it's like they're almost blaming the victim a little bit yeah. i don't think they're necessarily trying to it just it just seems like they're telling her well you can just make it stop if you don't spend time online but it's like if they said to women like you can just not get abducted if you don't go for a run <laughs> at night like <laughs> you know like she shouldn't be in this position to start with no exactly so at this point this blackmailer this sick person goes as far as to make a new facebook account friend a lot of her friends okay so he's probably using her her facebook account to find her friends friending all of them once he's friends with them, he changes the profile picture that he originally had, that was obviously some sort of catfish, to Amanda's picture, topless. Oh, God. So this kind of ensures, and her face is in it, so this kind of ensures that all of her new classmates are again seeing this picture of her. The bullying starts all over again because not only is she being harassed by this blackmailer, but she's being bullied at school. This is why she had to change schools, because mm-hmm. she was being severely bullied. And to defend herself, she posts the following statement. I'm so sorry, everyone who got the links. I wasn't going to do it again. So then he sent it out. Now all you guys got the link. Judge me or be there for me. Right now, I feel like shit. I feel so sad and sick. But he's going to do it for the rest of my life and there's nothing I can do. He made you all think he's a young boy in his teens when he's over 30. He's Tyler Boo. He's a sick pedophile. I really don't know what to do anymore. So at this point, Tyler Boo is the name that this man is going by. But yes, so she obviously has some more information than everyone else. She's saying that this is an older man. He's in his 30s. Mm-hmm. And he is, yes, a pedophile who mm-hmm. is aggressively blackmailing her and stalking her. And the other thing, too, is that even if she was off of her own social media, it wouldn't stop this person from still finding mm. people that she knows. Yeah. And so at least her actually being on social media is giving her somewhat the power of understanding and knowing what's going on around her. Because I'm sure that this person would still be finding oh, yeah. ways to harass her even if she left social media. And then she would have no platform to give at least a statement like this. In September of 2012, Amanda decides to work on a project. She had spent most of the summer inside worried about going out and getting recognized. She grabbed black markers and white paper. Her mom said that she really just wanted to get her story out there. This is when she posts her video that would later go viral. She used flashcards to describe being tormented by an anonymous harasser. The video has been watched over 50 million times. She gets some support for posting this video and shares that she booked an appointment to get her Stay Strong tattoo on her wrist. It's pretty incredible that she 
did this like i feel mm-hmm. like she was very strong very strong girl because everything that she's going through to not just completely give up and to try to continue to put yourself yeah. out there is pretty incredible yeah my heart breaks for her and the way she was able to find you know a different way to tell her story with those flashcards. i think mm-hmm. you know she's obviously really creative but um, my heart for sure breaks for her i think around this time amanda changes schools again for the second time i think she changes schools twice it's sort of hard to tell where in the timelines But at the new school, Amanda gets back in touch with an old guy friend. They start to chat and they start hanging out. I think things seem to be sort of on the up and up around this time. I mean, she is on antidepressants. She is in counseling. But, you know, new school, she's trying to start over again. So, yes, the two start chatting again and eventually the two get intimate. So I'm not exactly sure what that means. Neither should we. Who cares? They're teenagers. They hook up. (laughs) Okay. All is good, right? Except it turns out this guy had a girlfriend. Yeah. So when this guy's girlfriend gets back from the vacation that she was on, you know, she's not very happy with Amanda. Mm. She finds out about this and the girlfriend decides to confront Amanda with the help of 15 other people. Oh, 15? Yeah. Also, I feel like, yeah, back in high school, also, you're always more mad at the girl than your own boyfriend. But, you know, that's something you learn (laughs) that... uh, You know, she go both like, and like this is not the biggest issue here, but like your boyfriend did this while you were on vacation because he knew you were on vacation. Exactly, like come on, but Mm, frig, fifteen people. So, it's kind of unclear, but a fight breaks out. The girl, I think, punches Amanda, and you know she she sort of walks away from that, probably feeling. No, much worse than she already felt after this assault. Amanda would attempt to take her own life. She did this by trying to drink some bleach, which is so awful. She was, at this point, thankfully not successful and was saved in the hospital. People are ruthless and they use this incident as a way to continue bullying her. They bullied her for drinking bleach, making memes of her. People are so awful and and around the same time the blackmailer shows up again. Hopefully I'm getting this timeline somewhat right. Obviously the blackmailer never goes away. It's hard to tell exactly when he's popping back into her life, but it's sort of around these instances that he does come back. So I'm hoping I'm kind of, you know, getting the narrative right, but it's really hard to tell. As I mentioned, she was in counseling and on antidepressants, and she says so in the video that she posts. And I believe that after this, she has another suicide attempt. I think I could only find this in one or two sources. So I don't want to say definitively, but I think again, and then she's hospitalized. She, like I said, was getting help for depression, but the bullying never stopped. People called her a psycho when she was released from hospital. And it was clear that it just became too much for Amanda. Because on October 10th in 2012, she was found hanging around 6 o'clock in the evening at her poor Coquitlam home in Canada. She was only in grade 10. So the video that Amanda had posted with the flashcards was already pretty popular, but it grew and people really knew about this case this video went viral and you know it it was her side of the story so people really kind of wondered okay so this teenager's now completed suicide but who's going to answer for this because obviously she was being tormented Mm -hmm. and rcmp was aware for at least a few things you know what i mean so it's like what could have been done for her that that wasn't Exactly. There was something we missed here. Mm-hmm. You know? An investigation began into Amanda's death. 
It was led by the coroner's service and the RCMP. Online vigilantes also got on board. Facebook also on their end did their own research and their findings were forwarded to all necessary authorities. Through this information, authorities were able to get a person of interest. This person had many accounts, more than 86 different ones. This guy had targeted more than 75 victims throughout the world. And because of this investigation, in January of 2014, the Dutch police make an arrest in southern Holland. This man is later identified as Aidan Coben. He was charged with many things, including child pornography and indecent assault and fraud by the Dutch authorities. In February of 2017, Aidan Coben's trial started in the Netherlands. It concluded in March of 2017. He faced 72 charges of sexual assault and extortion in the Netherlands, involving 39 alleged victims. 34 were young women and 5 were men in countries as various as Britain, Canada, Norway, and the US, some of whom he had been harassing for years. Eventually, he is convicted and sentenced on Dutch charges of internet fraud and blackmail. He was sentenced to 10 years and 8 months in prison. They do all the internet thing that they probably could have done way before Amanda's death. But they do the work and they find this guy, this random man in the Netherlands, living in some sort of trailer park on a computer, just harassing like almost a hundred people at a time, some of them for years. So I don't know what the point of this is or how you have the energy or the time, but horrible. In Canada, he was facing five different charges related to Amanda's case. And at the time, he was expected to be extradited to Canada by the middle of 2018. By December of 2019, it was reported that the Canadian authorities were preparing his extradition. However, it was delayed until December of 2020 due to problems obtaining travel documents for him and his lawyer. But thankfully, the trial officially began on June of 2022. Wow. Mm -hmm. So June 6th of 2022. Once the trial was over, it took less than 24 hours to reach a verdict for the five charges. On August 5th of 2022, He was found guilty of all of the charges, extortion, importing and distributing child pornography, possession of child pornography, communicating with the intent to lure a child, and criminal harassment. Amanda's mother, Carol, gave her thoughts outside of the courthouse shortly after the verdict was announced. During the guilty counts, there are no words to explain how my heart feels. It's accumulation of what Amanda endured and the truth of it all. Now, Aiden Coben has been found guilty, which I knew in my heart it was him. Justice has been served for Amanda. This is her moment. To address the problem of cyberbullying, Justice Minister Peter McKay of the Conservative Party introduced Bill C-13 on November 20th of 2013. It received royal assent on December 9th in 2014 and went into effect on March 9th of 2015. It aims to combat online harassment by making it illegal to distribute intimate images of people without their consent. Amanda's mother Carol set up the Amanda Todd Trust at the Royal Bank of Canada. The trust receives donation to back awareness, education, and programs on the ways of tackling bullying and is targeted towards adolescents who are mentally disturbed due to bullying. Okay, so how do you feel? Just can't believe that it's still like just in 2022, like he was found guilty in Canada. Do we know his sentence? No, it hasn't been oh, okay, um, okay. decided yet. So we'll have to be on our regular crime updates. Yeah. So we'll let okay. you guys know when that comes out. Wow. I'm happy for her family in the sense that like, 
you know, they've waited all these years for this moment right now. I also just can't believe it had to come to that, but it also makes me think of the Netflix documentary, The Most Hated Man on the Internet. I don't know if you've seen that one no. yet. Um, it's basic. it's similar to this in a sense where this man had a, a website where he would post a bunch of girls nude pictures he would have people like hack into their emails and like find it and then post it so like a lot of men loved going on this internet site because it, they knew it was women who did not want to be posted like it was all yeah. posted without their consent he had like an email where you could submit your ex your ex's pictures or whatever oh like revenge porn style yes that's exactly what it was so you know in this documentary they go through the victims and get their views on like what happened to them and how they felt during all of that and a lot of them were like I wanted to end my life and it just needs awareness that even nowadays it's still going on and no matter what it makes people feel that way so it it there's something that needs to be done for it to stop because people do want to end their life for things like this and it's too much. It's hard when I think, well, especially people around Amanda's age at that time, like she's so vulnerable and all you want is to feel pretty and feel accepted. Mm-hmm. And and it's so easy even just to send a picture, you know, to a boyfriend mm-hmm. at the time, someone you think you trust. And then all of a sudden your picture's being sent to all of your peers at school and the damage that that can really cause to someone is awful. Um, be careful, people mm-hmm. don't just be sending out pictures or, you know, putting yourself in vulnerable positions. Cause unfortunately, no, it's not the victim's fault. No. However, there are predators out there who are taking advantage of people that are maybe just like Amanda wanting to make friends or wanting to be popular online. And that is awful. So mm-hmm. we should live in a world where people can just do what they want without thinking about it, but we don't. <sighs> so with that being said, um, this week we'll be donating to Amanda Todd Legacy Society. This is from their website. Amanda's Legacy is a nonprofit society that focuses on awareness and the well-being of individuals of all ages. We have a strong focus on prevention, education, and awareness related to bullying, cyberbullying, online safety, and most importantly, exploitation and sextortion. As well, resources and education encouraging positivity, mental health, and wellness, digital safety are shared on our website. If you'd like to contribute to Amanda Todd Legacy Society, the link to donate will be in our description and Instagram and TikTok bio. As always, pictures for this case will be posted on our Instagram, so please follow us at Terrible True Crime. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review below. If you have any case suggestions, please send us a message on our socials or email us at terribletruecrime at gmail.com. Links to our sources will be in the description below. So if you're curious or want to read up on any articles, definitely check out the description. And we thank you for joining us. And see you next time.